Welcome to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. Welcome to this Medtronic podcast on the new guidelines for revascularization. Um, when the, those guidelines came out, you know, there was already some controversy and discussion, of course, first among surgeons, but also then later on with cardiologists. And today we have a uh, distinguished panel here uh, to discuss what the impact is for guidelines, how they are made actually, and what this means for the, our, you know, our practice. So uh, today we have uh, Dr. Joe Sabek from Cleveland in Ohio, um, and he wrote an editorial on these new guidelines. Uh, together with here, we have Mark Ruel, a well-known cardiac surgeon from Ottawa in Canada, who is uh, well-known also for his coronary bypass surgery. And then we have Milan Milosevic, um, who has been instrumental in a lot of uh, studies on coronary bypass surgery versus PCI, and also currently heading um, the guidelines committee for the ESCTS. So welcome, everybody. Um, well, of course, you know, because Dr. Jose Big wrote his editorial, maybe we can start with him. So what happened, uh, Joe, when you read those guidelines? Um, what, what happened with your blood pressure? Well, thank you, Peter. And uh, it's an honor to be able to participate with such a distinguished uh, panel of experts. Yeah, I think it was a big surprise, you know, to all of us. You know, as you know, the, the two societies in, in um, the United States, the American Association thoracic surgery and the Society of Thoracic Surgery really had three main objections to the guidelines. First of all was the really unprecedented, you know, two-level downgrade of patients with multi-vessel disease, particularly three-vessel disease and normal ventricular function. That coronary artery bypass, you know, surgery for survival was downgraded from a level one recommendation to a level 2B. As you know, a level one is a very strong recommendation that suggests that the benefits greatly outweigh the risks. When we get to a 2B, it's kind of like the benefits equal risk. And I think that really surprised us because in our opinion, there really haven't been any new studies to suggest that. And when we look at really revascularization, coronary artery bypass surgery is the only revascularization strategy that's been demonstrated to prolong survival. And that was done, as you know, um, from some earlier studies that were done in the 70s and 80s that were summarized very nicely in a meta-analysis by Yusuf that demonstrated that if patients had you know, left main disease, triple vessel disease, single or double vessel disease that included the LAD, that they had an important and significant survival benefit from surgery. I think the other thing that surprised us was the fact that you know, when it comes to revascularization, at least in these guidelines, it's, it's suggested that PCI equals cabbage, which equals revascularization. And we do not believe that is true at all. First of all, we know that the techniques of revascularization and PCI and cabbage are extremely different. You know, PCI treats the lesion as it is today and as is important in preventing recurrent, you know, symptoms. Cabbage is very different. It not only treats the lesion as it is today, but any lesion that may develop in that vessel proximal to the graft that happens in the future. And we believe this is an important reason why surgery or cabbage helps prolong survival as well as prevent um, recurrent MIs and prevent the need for repeat reintervention. So we don't believe that cabbage and PCI are equal in terms of the outcomes. You know, and there are several recent randomized studies, you know, Noble, which looked at, you know, patients with left main disease, 
um, lower repeat revascularization, as well as lower late MIs. And when we think about Excel, we not only had those findings, but we also had lower mortality. When we look at syntax in patients with three-vessel disease, we had a 40% reduction in mortality versus PCI. So again, we don't believe that they are equal. Right. Then, yeah, great. You know, that's, that's great. Great summary, uh, Joe, but how important it is, um, you know, to interpret the data correctly. Um, and of course, it is also quite remarkable that in previous guidelines, you know, the studies that were included to, to come up with these recommendations were not included in the current version of the guidelines. How did that happen? Do you have any insight why those were not taken into account? Well, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting, Peter. I think that, you know, obviously we want current and recent data and recent studies, and those are considered and weighted very highly. But I don't believe that means that we disregard other studies that have been weighted in the past, you know, such as the randomized studies of the 70s and 80s and the meta-analyses done in the 90s, but also the many registry studies, you know, that have been done, whether in New York or Duke or the ASSERT trials that have demonstrated, you know, uh, important benefits of coronary surgery. Those were disregarded. And it's surprising. I, I think the reason is, is I think that we've all accepted this knowledge and agree yeah. that there have been a lot of movement forward in medical therapy that has helped patients with coronary disease, but that has also affected patients who've had surgery. And that is so well demonstrated, I think, in the, in the most recent FAME 3 study, where patients in that study who went to win coronary artery bypass surgery had a 0.3% mortality at 30 mm -hmm. days. Yeah a 0.9% mortality at one year. How far has surgery come as well? And that seems to be disregarded. Yeah. And also, it's kind of like the whole, the whole joke about, you know, do we need parachutes? You know, do we need to study if someone jumps out of a plane with or without a parachute that they're going to more likely live with the parachute? Of course they are. We don't need to, re we don't need to test that. And right. the likelihood of retesting whether coronary surgery is better than medical therapy is not going to happen. That, that study, that's been done. It's been proven. We need to just acknowledge that. Right. Yeah, great. So um, maybe, Mark, um, when we go a little bit further into those the studies that were the basis of those, these new guidelines. So the, the people that run the Eschema trial were, of course, also involved in the guideline committee here. Um, were they maybe a little bit too enthusiastic by interpreting the data? And, and can you point out what are the weaknesses now to, to interpret the ischemia trial when it comes to coronary bypass surgery? Yeah, thanks, Peter. And I think, you know, this seminar, this podcast is very opposite and, and Joe's comments are, are very well taken. It's interesting to hear where we were at before, what led to the class one recommendation, essentially the old trials, right? CAS, VA, MASS-2, which is also an older trial, and the only recent trial is STITCH and the extension of the STITCH study in patients with depressed LV function. As you know. But as Joe said, uh, such direct trials of medical therapy versus cabbage were not redone. And there's a reason for that, because it was accepted evidence, right? And back to the example of parachutes, well, you could say the technology of parachutes has improved, but also people have personal drones that they can use maybe to uh, put a string or a rope attached to them and use a couple of uh, DJI's uh, drones and help them not fall. So the technology of a free fall has improved as well. I think we would, I think we would still all agree 
that parachutes are, are life-saving, right? If you're going to fall from a drop in the air. So exactly the same thing happened here. There's been essentially two uh, new sources of information. One is a meta-analysis by Bangalore, who you're right, you know, Sripal was on the guidelines committee and he's a very well-recognized expert around this. His meta-analysis was published in 2020 in circulation. It had about 14,800 patients from 14 trials uh, looking at revascularization versus medical therapy. Now, overwhelmingly, these were PCI patients. There were only 16% of patients who had cabbage. And they found, again, no surprise, because we know the results of Courage, we know the results of Barry2D, we know the results of FAME2. They do not show a survival benefit with PCI. We knew this already. So putting it together did not change the conclusion. And the relative risk of revascularization versus none was 0.99. Essentially, it's a wash, right? But cabbage was grossly underrepresented. These were not cabbage patients. Now, ischemia came in, and ischemia really changed the equation. And what happened with ischemia, it's a little bit, I like to use the example, let's say you want to um, study that antibiotics are useful in bacterial meningococcemia with sepsis, right? So you decided you're not going to test again antibiotics versus no antibiotics in little 10-year-olds across the world who have bacterial meningococcemia. However, you could design a trial saying, well, any kid with a little bit of neck stiffness it's going to be randomized to getting antibiotics versus no antibiotics. And then at the end of the trial, at 3.5 years, you find that there's actually no difference, regardless of what you get. Does that invalidate that the kid with meningal bacteremia or meningococcemia does not need antibiotics? Ischemia is exactly that. It was not a trial of cabbage versus medical therapy. And even if it were, any potential effects of cabbage would have been overwhelmingly diluted. And we wrote about that in uh, Joe's uh, editorial. We gave the number of patients. For instance, in the invasive strategy group of ischemia, there were more patients who received no revascularization whatsoever, i.e. medical therapy alone, than who received cabbage. And conversely, right. in the conservative therapy group, there were more patients who received revascularization than who received cabbage in invasive therapy. So it's a diluted, completely diluted effect. It does not study cabbage versus optimal medical therapy. And in fact, the investigators never intended it to do so. But now it's overgeneralized, misinterpreted very broadly as such. So, so Mark, can I challenge you a little bit? And let's play, let's play the devil's advocate here for the discussion. So um, there was a hard team discussion also in ischemia. And, and you know, when revascularization was deemed necessary, people could choose between PCI and coronary bypass surgery. And let's say the ischemia trialist may say, well, you know, there was a hard team discussion. So we had a discussion whether patients should get cabbage or PCI. Um, and 26% received cabbage. Does that make it yeah. a more fair yeah. comparison or not? So, so that 26% of revascularized patients, right? So 75, 74% yeah, correct. of revascularized patients. Overall, in the invasive strategy group, it's actually 20% of patients. Who received cabbage yeah. because remember there were more who received no revascularization whatsoever. So this is an extremely diluted effect. You could argue as to whether cabbage is under underutilized globally. There's a lot of controversy around that. Do we use it often enough? Sometimes we don't use it often enough, and in other times we probably do it in people, you know, 81 year olds who would probably do as well with medical therapy. And I think the ischemia trial reinforces that teaching around that. But then look at the numbers, right? 
in ischemia, in that invasive strategy group, because we do have an angiogram for those patients, 71% of those patients have multivessel disease. 40%, 39.6% had three vessel disease, and 41% of patients have diabetes. So look at the inter intersection of this. How many patients do you think have multivessel disease with diabetes or three vessel disease? Two clear indications for cabbage. And then you end up with 20% of revascularized patients who receive bypass surgery. I think we can easily assert that cabbage was underutilized. Again, you leave it to the local revascularization team. It's interpreted as a medical therapy versus revascularization trial. You're going to end up with a lot of patients receiving PCI, which is the next level up from the other, the conservative treatment intervention, which would be medical therapy. So I think right. there was really a bias at the time with regards yeah. to favoring and underutilizing cabbage. So if I pick out one sentence in the editorial that Dr. Sabic wrote is that, you know, he said um, in one sentence, he said PCI might be considered dangerous in three-vessel disease based on the data from Syntex trial. Is, 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 that, is that true? Is PCI dangerous in three-vessel disease? So, you, yeah, it, it's a great point because if, if really the, there's such a difference, and now we see it even with FAME3, right? With FAME3, we are starting, the composite endpoint was surprisingly positive at one year, but you look, there's already a signal. There's a hazard ratio, not yet significant, with regards to mortality in myocardial infarction. So FAME3 is already starting, already spreading towards a favorable effect for cabbage over PCI with the very best of PCI technology. So if you were to accept these results or the results of the three-vessel group in Syntax, for instance, then that would mean that PCI is harmful. Obviously, no data has shown that, that PCI versus medical therapy is harmful. It's harmful with regards to cabbage in, in diabetes, et cetera. In, in diabetes, we know it's pretty neutral. And, and you know, it's been tried with, with Courage, with, with Barry 2D, with, with um, um, you know, Fame, Fame 2. It, it's been tried to compare PCI to medical therapy, and there's never been a hard benefit in stable ischemic heart disease. The kingdom of PCI is acute coronary syndrome, as we all know. And then conversely, there's very little evidence to support cabbage in acute coronary syndrome, apart from the short trial, right? So this discrepancy is constant. But yeah. if this were the case, if cabbage had no benefit over medical therapy in three-vessel disease, then that would mean by corollary that PCR is harmful. And obviously, no data has shown that. It's no better, but it's not harmful. Okay. Joe, was it correct that I picked out that sentence? <laughs> no, I, I think you took it a little out of context, Peter, but I think it's fun. I mean, we, we kind of put that in there, I think, for emphasis, because first of all, we do not believe that uh, PCI is harmful in multivessel disease. And I'll repeat that. We do not believe that PCI is harmful in multivessel disease. However, we do not believe it's as effective as coronary artery bypass surgery in, again, helping people live longer, preventing, you know, the late MIs, and the need for repeat reintervention. And it seemed to us that these guidelines ignored that fact. And so if you ignore that fact, that's the only way that you could ever say that cabbage isn't better than medical therapy. Because I think as Mark has so nicely said, we know that PCI is not worse than medical therapy from studies like Courage and FAME2 and, you know, and other things that have shown no benefit in survival of PCI, but no harm. And so if you, if you agree with that, 
and then you look at the difference in outcomes between PCI and cabbage, you have to say that there is a benefit of cabbage versus medical therapy. That's all we were trying to say. Right. Yeah. Good. And, and so actually, if, if you look now at FAME 3, you know, it's actually, it's pretty remarkable how the outcomes match with the outcomes of syntax, isn't it? You know, I have Based. to admit, I was surprised. I did not expect to see a benefit of cabbage at one year. That's amazing to me. Yeah, and the, right. And the results of cabbage have come so far. Yeah, I would yeah. say the results of cabbage are better than they were in syntax at one year. I mean, Peter, you would be the expert at the syntax end, but uh, certainly at one year, it was a wash in syntax, largely because the complication rate with cabbage was so high. Now we know from Excel and yeah. from AIM-3, and Milan has coined this term, and I thank him for that. We're basically at half or less than half of the complication rates that we saw with regards to stroke and other perioperative uh, adverse events uh, between freedom and syntax, which are the old trials and the newer trials, such as Excel and Fame 3 and Noble. And I think yeah. Mark brings up a great point about how far surgery has come. You know, when syntax first came out, and Peter, you know this better than all of us, right? It was you, you trade off a, an early stroke in surgery for better outcomes due to the better revascularization of cabbage, right? We're not having those conversations anymore. When we look yeah. at Excel and Noble, right, there aren't higher occurrences of stroke. In Noble, there were more strokes in, P in the PCI group than in the cabbage. So surgeons have that. come a long way in making cabbage safer, which is Absolutely. Great. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's probably, it's, it's the surgery, it's the anesthesiology, it's the post-operative intensive care Absolutely. treatment, medical treatment as well. And, and probably, uh, you know, knowledge of dual antipathic therapy in acute coronary syndrome. Yes. Several so of the syntax strokes were stopping that early on, and these patients have vascular inflammation, right? They have an acute process going on and they're at risk of stroke. And several of those strokes were preoperative after randomization. Yeah. I think the important thing that's happened is really kind of a, an idea that not all cabbage procedures fit all patients, right? We really today have an armamentarium of things that we can use. You know, we can do on-pump cabbage, we can do off-pump cabbage, we can do off-pump cabbage with no aortic technique. So we really can tailor our operation to that patient with, with the goal of, of not only decreasing mortality, but decreasing morbidity. And that I think is what's been really exciting over the last two decades in coronary surgery of how surgeons have adopted that. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe at medtronic.com slash cardiac exchange to hear the next portion of this conversation and to find additional podcast content.